Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Uh, today we'll be reading from Ecclesiastes 3, 18-22. I also said to myself, ask a human... God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Even humans do not have an advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from the dust, and to dust will all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward, and if the spirit of the animal goes down to the earth. So I thought there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work, because that is their lot. But who can begin to see what will happen after them? Wow, according to this, my wife was right about me. (laughs) Yeah, Billy, you are an animal. Before I get into that downer of a scripture, uh, let's go over some uh, housekeeping. Uh, Loon Mountain Ministry is an organization that has a mission and values. Remember, our mission is to love God, serve community, enjoy mountains, and we have corresponding values. And those values are to worship, evangelize, disciple, serve, encourage, aid, and protect, preserve, and enjoy. And uh, here in another two weeks, we're about ready to take our church services outside here at Loon Mountain. Uh, but we've already been doing that at Waterville last week, and we're going to do it again at Waterville uh, next week. Those are outdoor church services. And what you need to remember as a local church body is that these outdoor church services are where a lot of folks who don't know Jesus, a lot of folks who are not connected to a local church, come while they're on vacation, whatever. And so our value of evangelism is being really met up there. And so we know that it's, you know, it's, it's sometimes a little bit difficult. Sometimes it's really fun at the same time, but sometimes it's hot and sometimes there's bugs and sometimes you got to wait in line. But other times you get to meet people from around the world that you wouldn't get to meet otherwise. So we're saying, hey, join us on mission. And if you'd like to go to the Waterville services, that's awesome. Next week, Randy and Marissa are going to be down there leading the uh, sermon down there. But Heidi uh, and the girls are going to be doing the worship music. You're stuck with me and Drew here. And um, and I know Scott and Sharon are going to go to the Waterville service next week. And Scott's going to help with the greeting down there. If you'd like to go check it out, it's uh, absolutely free. It is a chairlift ride. So if you don't like dangling from a wire uh, 30 feet in the air... It's a great way to increase your faith, um, but uh, you could go down and check that out too, which is great. So I just wanted to kind of cover that again, just to remind us we, we are living on mission as a community. We are living on mission as a family of God. And uh, this local church service, this is high on discipleship. It's evangelism too, because people don't know Jesus that wander in and out of these, these uh, doors, but it's also high on discipleship. Those that have put their faith and hope in Jesus Christ are now becoming like Christ through the work of what the Bible calls sanctification. There's a difference between salvation and sanctification. Salvation is through 
faith in Jesus Christ, his gift on the cross, his blood that cleanses us of our, our sin, that saves us from God's wrath and allows us to become sons and daughters of Christ. But it doesn't end there. If salvation ends there, it might as well just be a trophy. It might as well just be something that we put on the wall. And you know what trophies do? They only collect dust, right? Plaques on the wall just collect dust. And if your salvation is just collecting dust, that's not okay. Sanctification is the action of your salvation, the working out of it daily, one dying to yourself. Because if you're anything like me, the Paul says he needs to die daily. I say, and my wife says, I need to die minute by minute. Because there's a lot of selfishness in me that is continually being put to death. The Bible calls that the old man or the flesh. Right? And then sanctification is also an outward experience where we are telling others about Jesus. We are serving them in love. We are patient and joyful with our neighbor. We are loving our neighbor as ourselves. And we are leading them to Jesus Christ and saying, he is the hope. He is the way. He is the life. He is the truth. And that's the sanctification part. And the disciples, right, are to do that, to work on their sanctification. And so at Loon Mountain Ministry, you don't really have a choice. You have to somehow support the evangelistic value of Loon Mountain Ministry. And you can do that by praying for us. We know that going up to the top of the mountain isn't for everyone. It can't be physically done by some. But you can come in the coffee shop with Sharon. Sharon has said, come to the coffee shop and pray. We're going to pray for the church service. You can join Bill before the service. He was in my office this morning at 9 a.m. just quoting scripture and praying over this service. And it gives me goosebumps to say that, Bill. We need to be covered in prayer. And uh, it's incredible. We just absolutely love what God is doing here at Loon Mountain Ministry, and we just want to join the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that we've said is that we want to look to the scriptures for wisdom and guidance. We're a young staff. We're a young church. And so we flipped open to the books of wisdom. And remember, the books of wisdom in the Bible are Job, and they are Ecclesiastes, uh, and they are Proverbs. And uh, as a pastor, I looked at them. The one that I thought was going to be the hardest to preach through was the book of Job, because it is just a rough book. Because essentially, the book of Job says, I'm God, you're not, I'm sorry. That's it, right? That's really, that's the book of Job. And it sounds like dad, because I'm dad. Why? Because I'm dad. Why? Because I'm, why? Because I'm dad. And you have to come under that. Right? And so that was the book of Job. And now we're in Ecclesiastes, and I'm finding Ecclesiastes is just as hard. Because remember, I, I likened it to the skeptical uncle who has like five doctorates and has been around the world and knows everything, but he's single, so he's still a little bit grumpy. And, uh, you know, and so he like blows smoke on what you believe. Oh, young, naive kid in high school. Let me blow smoke. <sighs> On you. I remember one of my uncles that was living in California when I was like in middle school, and I was like, country music is stupid. And he's like, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. It's the biggest industry and the fastest growing music right now. This was back in the 90s. You know, I was like, Garth Brooks is lame, you know, and I was, I don't know, listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I guess, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know what? My uncle was right. What do I love listening to right now? Waylon Jennings. Not, not, not only do I listen to country music, but I listen to old, antiquated, dusty country music. And you know my favorite way to listen to Waylon Jennings? On vinyl. That is my favorite way to find a record at this thrift shop or another thrift shop or a yard sale and listen to Waylon Jennings on vinyl. And you know who else I love on vinyl? James Taylor. 
And when I was in middle school, I was like, oh, do I have to listen to James Taylor? You know who else I love listening on vinyl? John Denver. And if you, if I was in middle school, I was like, you're going to make me listen to John Denver? And now I absolutely love it, right? So this is the wise old uncle that's like, Haha, you think you like those little bands, but they won't be around when you're 40 and you'll still like these guys. And he's right. I still like those guys to get killed because I'm not listening to some of those other people on vinyl anymore. Um, all that to say, here we are in Ecclesiastes, and we're in these books that are difficult because we want wisdom, and we're asking the Holy Spirit. We are trusting Him that these were these were written through the the guidance of the Holy Spirit by human hands, but guided by the Holy Spirit, so that these the Bible calls itself living and active. It says living and active. That means that the Bible, the Word of God, the truths of God are not going to die. They're not going to pass away. The people that hand wrote these, they're dead. Dead. They're gone. The people that first took these and put them through the printing press, they're dead. They're gone. The people that used to say these things and speak these truths in the masses in Jerusalem, in the masses in Europe, they're dead. They're gone. But we are still here proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. And it says that the word of God is so alive that if all of us on earth decided to stop proclaiming the truth of God, the writer of the psalm says, the hills, the rocks, and the trees would cry out. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. Man, because I was talking about middle school, I just heard the words of rage against the machine. Can't stop us now. Anyway, sorry, I'm showing my age. And so I'm talking about music. I don't listen to Rage Against the Machine on vinyl, okay? And that was the music that my uncle was like, I'm not listening to this. This is awful. Um, any rate, so we're, here we are in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we have so much to learn. And I'm not going to lie to you. I looked at the passage of Scripture today and was like, nope, I'm just going to go, I don't want to preach on that. I don't. But then I heard the Holy Spirit say, bro, it's in front of you, man. I'll guide you. I'll guide your church, and it's not on you anyway, Marcus. It's not on you. You can get up there and do the best job you can. Get up there and tell these guys about what you work through and your study in this portion of Scripture. But in the end, I lead the people that put their faith in Jesus Christ. I guide them into all truth. You don't, bro. You're just there. Just like River is a gift to uh, Nathan and Eunice, they are not ultimately in control of River. He is a human being with a will and a heart and a mind, the Bible says. River has a will to choose God. He has a mind to know God. And he has a heart to love God. And those are all choices because River is not a puppet. And if we start to treat him like a puppet and we try to force faith on him or we try to manipulate the outcome of his faith or his life, he just becomes resentful and angry. And I have to say the same thing to myself. I have to remind myself every day, Marcus, that you, the congregation of Loon Mountain Ministry, the people that come in and out of our lives, you are gift. You are not the giver, and I am not ultimately in charge of you or responsible for you. Now, there is some responsibilities of a pastor. The Bible is very clear that those that, are lead, that lead and proclaim the, the good news of Christ are held to a standard. When I read that Bible verse, a lot of times I'm like, I'm going back into sales. I'll see you all later. Because it's creepy. I read that verse and I'm like, I'm not sure if I want to do this. But then the Holy Spirit continues to guide. God continues to open doors. And you're stuck with me. I prayed many times that God would bring my dad down so he could pastor you. Um, but he hasn't. Um, but we all love Ron. Um, 
And so here we are in Ecclesiastes and here we are in a difficult passage for me. Okay, because here's what I found about you and I. We're, we're mostly Protestant and we're mostly evangelical, right? There, you know, there's some other folks that are in here that aren't really sure, maybe New Age, maybe Catholic, maybe, you know, just trying things out for the first time. But for a majority of us, we're evangelical and we're Protestant. And what I have found, whether you're Catholic or you're Protestant or you're, or you're New Age or a naturalist, what we love as humans is to be right, and to know that we're right, and to know that our team is winning. And so when we find something that we agree with or that we were raised with, we have a tendency to take our tent and plant it right there, and be like, there, and we stick up our flag, and we're like, this is our team. Your team is lame. Our team is better, you know? And what I get sometimes frustrated about the Protestant evangelical movement is like, we have the corner on truth, and you don't. Right? Well, yes, I do believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But I don't believe that the Protestant evangelical is the way, the truth, and the life. We can know Jesus, and we can proclaim him, and we can put our faith, hope, and love in him, and he can save us, and it's incredible, and we're working at our best to express that. And the expression of that comes out in Loon Mountain Ministry, a local church service, mountaintop church services, planting church down in Waterville, serving coffee, hanging out on Tuesday nights. We are working by the power of the Holy Spirit to express it. But by no means do you not hear me saying that I know everything and that what we do is all correct and that we are the best team and the other team is not. That is not true. Because I do believe when I look at scripture and I think about when we all die and we pass on, because this verse passages today is talking about death. Do we know? Does the spirit of human goes up? Does the spirit of the animal go down? Do we understand the afterlife? What happens after we're done toiling and working and we die? I do look at scripture and I do think that everyone, me, the Catholic priest down the road, the the, per, the new age, the naturalist, the 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 the, the um. The folks that don't believe in God, the atheists, I believe that the most brilliant scholars in the Bible, I, and the people that don't know anything about the Bible, I do believe that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I will all of a sudden go, whoa, I knew very little next to nothing. Wow. Wow. Now, what exactly that means for salvation, I, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that I know exactly. But I do know that the Word of God says that salvation comes when we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. I know that Acts says that everyone that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And I believe that's where we as a society have got my, oh my God, from. You know what oh my God is from? It's originally from like, I need your help. But the enemy doesn't like us saying, oh my God, in the way that we're going to put our faith, hope, and love. And so he's like, here we go. I'm going to make him just say it when everything's just lame and useless and not meaning anything. And if I can just get him to think that the name of God is just colloquial and used on everyday basis and, oh, I'm going to say the name of Jesus when I stub my toe or hit the hammer, the enemy's like, yes, we're degrading the value of the name of Jesus Christ that brings salvation, the God of the universe. And if I could just say, oh my God, when it doesn't matter, then I will slowly subconsciously begin to believe that the name of God doesn't matter because we are what we say. Words are powerful. So here we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and Marcus would love to just skip over these passages because it is awkward to think about the spirit of the human and the spirit of an animal. 
I won't even get into that just yet. We get wigged out just by the spirit of the animal, I mean, of the, of the human. We as evangelicals, as Protestants, and even as Catholics or religious people will call them, we, have, we are really divided on this. Now, a bunch of us aren't theological scholars, so we're like, oh, are we really divided on this? There are things in Scripture, there are worldviews, there are theologies that really, really, really divide us. The ones that we are familiar with in the Protestant church, the ones that we are familiar with, baptism. Does it need to be full submersion? Does it need to be when they're a child? Does it need to be right away when they're baptized? I mean, right away when they're saved? Is it part of salvation? Right? And you look at scripture, and for us as Loon Mountain Ministry, the best that we can understand it is that baptism is a choice by a believer who has come to faith that wants to publicly declare that they are a believer. And um, that's just at Loon Mountain Ministry. And we'll say, you know what? There is some gray there. Loon Mountain Ministry allows for gray. And that is difficult because there is some gray in Scripture. And this one, right? This one the spirit of the human versus the spirit of the animal, there is some gray. And you know what? The Christian community has been debating this for over 2,000 years. So all of you that expect me to know how to decipher this better take that expectation and throw it in the parking lot. Because the Christian community hasn't figured this out in 2,000 years. You think a kid from Western Maine's going to figure it out? No. I don't even tie my shoes. Right, I got Velcro and sandals. Not about ready to tell you the, 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 the you know. So let's just start with the spirit of the human. There are three different thinkings about the spirit of the human. The first two are in the Christian community or the religious. I'll say anyone that's religious, and then the third is the naturalist. The first is what we call trichotomy, and that the body, the soul, and the spirit are three different parts. Tri, they're called trichotomists. Okay? And a lot of you are like, uh, I don't know what that is and I don't, right? But there are people that have divided churches over this, divided families over this. Know anything about divided churches and divided families lately over disagreements on things? Welcome to 2021, right? So this, all right, I'm all about sports. So I'm going to use a sports analogy. Trichotomy is like a basketball. A basketball has an outer layer of leather. Then it has an inner layer of rubber that holds the whole thing together. And then it has the air that's within it. So the outer leather could be representation of the body. Then that liner, that rubber liner, could be representation of the soul. And then the inner could be, the air could be the representation of the spirit. Okay? Now before I get going, you got to understand that the language that's used here, the spirit and the breath. Did you notice that if you look on the front, it uses the word breath one time, and it uses the word spirit one time. Those in the original language are the same word. Are the same word. Spirit and breath. And we see it in the beginning of scripture, in Genesis chapter 1, where it says, The spirit of the Lord hovered above the water. It's the breath of the Lord. And we see it at the end of chapter 1 where it says, All that have breath, all that are given breath, God has given the plants to eat, the things that are green. All that have breath, the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the humans that have breath. And then we see in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says that God formed humankind out of the dust and he breathed the breath of life into the nostril. That's the spirit 
Spirit and breath are translated the same way. Okay, now, so there's trichotomists, and they say the soul and the spirit are different. And they get it from passages like in Thessalonians or passages like in Hebrews. In Hebrew, it says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide the soul and the spirit, bone and marrow. And so that's where the trichotomists will put their tent and they'll get all nice and comfy in their tent and they'll say, there, told you, told you that they were separate. But then the dichotomist who says that soul and spirit are the same thing, interchangeable in scripture, will bring you to passages of scripture. So I'm going to say that's like a beach ball. So a trichotomist is like a, a basketball, leather, rubber, air. A dichotomist is like a beach ball, just rubber and air. Right? So the rubber would represent the body, and the air would represent the soul and the spirit. And the dichotomist would say passage of scripture like this, right? The soul and the spirit. If you look at the actual translation, the real original Hebrew language, soul and spirit are the same word in the original language. Now, why so many years ago in the canonization of Scripture did these guys decide to write, translate this word soul and this word Scripture? That would take a lot of months to talk about and we'd get nowhere. I don't really know. I just know in the original language, it's soul and spirit are the same word. And so the dichotomist would say, see, I told you, soul and spirit are the same thing. So they've tent they put their tent on this verse over here. What I would say as a leader is be very careful when you put your tent on any other pad than Jesus Christ and Christ alone, that he is the Lord, that he is God, and that his sacrifice was good enough to satisfy the wrath of God and to take away my sin. After that, and this is how I remember it. I thought about this a couple years ago. There's only one hill worth dying on. And that hill was, di that hill was died on 2,000 years ago. The rest of them... Do you really need to split your family over it? Do you really need to split your church over it? Do you really need to split your friendships over it? I know that some of them are very important to you, and they're very important to me. This one, most of you guys are like, ah, I don't really care about the difference between the soul and the spirit, if I'm not a trichotomist or dichotomist. I get it. This one's kind of fun to talk about. But if we're going to talk about baptism, woohoo, that's going to split some people. We're going to talk about women's roles in church, woohoo, that one's going to split some people. Right? What I'm telling you is that when I look at scripture, there's one hill to die on. And that was died on 2,000 years ago by the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The rest of the hills, if you want to tent your, put your tent up there for a little while or raise your flag, okay. And I'm guilty of it too because we all love teams. We do. So the dichotomous is like, a, is like a beach ball, rubber, and air, body, soul, and spirit are the same. Okay. The dichotomous would say to the trichotomous, when the trichotomous says, well, what about the, the, the Hebrew passage where the word of God is sharper than 20 and can separate the soul and the spirit? The dichotomous says, yeah, you can separate a coin with a really, really, really sharp knife, but would you say that it's two different coins? No, it's a heads and a tails. It's the same side of the same coin, different side of the same coin. That's what the dichotomous would say. And then the trichotomist would go, no, 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 they're different. I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you what I don't believe in is the, is, is the mono. Okay? The mono is like a lacrosse ball. All right? Or a pool ball. A lacrosse ball is all rubber. That's it. There's no air in a lacrosse ball. Have you ever been hit by a lacrosse ball? There's no air in there. Have you ever been hit by a hockey puck? There's no air in a hockey puck. I mean, look at their teeth. 
<laughs> Can't find them. All right. So that's the natural's view that we're body and body only. And then when we die, we go back to the dust. That view is a little on the depressing side for me. I don't know about you. I, I don't subscribe to that. But I also was born into a Christian home. So I've been told since I was a little kid that we have a soul and a spirit. I wasn't necessarily told a lot what the difference is. I think, you know, maybe I was raised more trichotomy where there were three parts to the body. Um, but I definitely was taught about the spirit of the soul, spirit of the human versus the spirit of the animal. And this is where we're going to get a little bit gray again. Okay, I just started to talk about the spirit and the soul of a human. I haven't even talked about the animal, but this passage brings it up, and I'm like, thanks a lot. Because as a minister, there's a couple big questions that you'll always get. One of them down the line is, where are my pets? Are my pets going to be in heaven? And I have to answer, I don't know. But I do know that God loves you, and he desires the best for you and the greatest for you. And I do believe that when you put your faith, hope, and love in Jesus, and you are ushered into his full presence, which the, which the Bible says, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And when, we are, when our spirit, which is inside of our soul, is fully present with God, I don't think you're going to lack anything, or you're going to want anything. And if that means that the, lack, the want and the, and the need is fulfilled through an animal in the afterlife, I, sure, I don't know. I don't know. I want to know if we're going to be married in heaven, because I really want to hang out with Heidi. I really like her. And I'm trying to hang out with her as much as I can on this side of the grave, because I get nervous when we go up there that we're going to be on opposite sides of the tracks. I'll be in, but barely. And I'll have to go hang out with Mother Teresa and ask if, if Heidi's around, if she, if she can play, you know. But I don't know if we'll be in marriage. It, it, you know, it says that, that we won't be given in marriage, but I don't know exactly what that means. And I think it's more written for people like Heidi because it will finally be rest for her in heaven. <laughs> you know, and um, but as far as animal goes, this is what I look. It says, it says, who knows if the animal spirit goes down and if the human spirit goes up. But what I do know is that I, my parents didn't really say this to me, but I think the Protestant evangelical just thought, no one really said this to me, is that, that animals didn't have spirits. I think I grew up thinking that. I don't know, like, we would always be angry at Disney because Disney would give animals more spirits, you know, than, than what we'd like, that we were comfortable with. But when I look at the scriptures, it says that the animals in Genesis chapter 1 have God's spirit. It says, breath. That everything that has breath. The Bible says, well, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Okay? And then there's a guy named um, Wendell Berry, who people really like. He talks about the breath of God is life. And anything that has life has the breath of God, which is the spirit of God if you translate it. So he believes plants and everything. And then it gets a little bit, people like me, who's an evangelical Protestant, is like, I want to be careful that we're not like starting to worship trees and everything and all that jazz. But really what Wendell Berry says is, no, 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 we're not worshiping trees. We're, we're giving God the credit. We're giving his, his breath and his spirit the credit for life. And that's incredible. And life is valuable. And we need to think about our responsibility. Now, well, here's the thing that I researched about the differences between animals and humans. And when I researched this, I tried to go across all boards and not just the evangelical thought or the Christian thought. I went with like the naturalist thought. And here's some places where all religions and all worldviews agree that there is a difference between the conscience and an instinct. Okay? And that all people, even the humanists, even the naturalists would say, 
a human has a conscience, and someone would say that's just the highest form of evolution. Others would say that it is intelligent design. But they would say that the human has a conscience where an animal has instinct. Okay? And obviously the conscience is the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. And instinct is just about survival. And we see this played out in a couple things. For instance, we are the only species that bury our dead. <clears throat> Let me say that again. That's kind of an interesting one to think about, right? I've never thought about that before until I researched this. We're the only species that bury our dead. Why? I, I think it's because we have a conscience, right? We are also the only species that worship. Listen. Pro sports would not exist without the desire to worship. The cheetahs don't all get around and be like, all right, who's the fastest one? Let's see here. No, they have instinct, survival of fitness. The fastest one lives and the slowest one dies. We create games to worship. We want to cheer for a team that comes out on the field. We're worshiping. Without worship, we do not have pro sports. Actually, without worship, we don't have baking shows or home improvement shows or discovery or HGTV because we want to give credit to someone to doing something. We love that. Nobody in the jungle goes, whoa, look at Leo. He did a good job killing that gazelle. I'm going to get a Leo t-shirt. Do you want a Leo banner? I'm a Leo fan. <laughs> no. It's like, maybe Leo won't pay attention for a minute and I can steal the hindquarters. You know, like, that's it. We worship, right? And so um, that's a one thing that we do. Art, right? I don't see the animal kingdom being like, whoa, did you see what Susie did? We're all stopping and looking. Wow, she arranged those leaves in an artistic way. No. We are the only species that walks into an air-conditioned building and looked at a bunch of paint splattered on a wall and be like, wow, that speaks to me. And then Heidi's like, yeah, it says messy. And that's just messy. You know, she's black and white. I'm like, wow, it's deep. You know, I'm artistic. Now, look, we, we're the only species that does that. I believe that this is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. So write this down. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. The word of God says, let us, which is cool because that's plural, let us, this is God talking, let us, which is relational, let us make humankind in our own image. Male and female, we will make them. Didn't say that about any other species. The image of God. In our own image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, relational. And then I believe that God has given us a mind to know him. I said this about River. A mind to know him. But we have a choice. We can say, oh, I don't want to know you. Or we can make a choice. How do we know God? Right? Because I know Tom Brady. But do I know Tom Brady? No. I know Heidi. And I know Heidi. I know Jesse. And I know Jesse, right? I know Drew, but I know of Tom Brady. And a lot of you in this room have a relationship with God like I have with Tom Brady, right? You know God. The Bible is very clear that he, if you don't confess your sins, if you don't, uh, he said, if you don't um, 
come on, Drew, help me out with the passage in Romans. You know, if you if you essentially don't, um, what's the word's word? Confess, 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 no, but if you, like, you don't, um, doggone it. Anyway, I'm like stuck. It's right there and I'll think about it. If you want to know, come to the church picnic. <laughs> there we go. I'm going to leave you hanging so you come to the church picnic. Maybe it's confess. If you don't confess me, I won't confess you. I don't know. I'm still in Genesis 1, man. Sorry, I left you in Genesis 1. That we are created in God's image, and that makes us different than the animals. Right? It makes us different than the animals. And now I'm like completely off in left field, and this is why you should preach with notes, but I don't like notes. Um, But I want you to understand this. That Loon Mountain Ministry, we don't have all the answers. We're going to put faith in Jesus and say he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're going to admit to say all these some nuances, these things about is it dichotomy or trichotomy? Where does the spirit of the animal go versus the spirit of the, of, of the, of the human? We're going to do what we call major in the majors and minor in the minors. Okay, The major is that the human has a choice to choose God or not. And we see that in scripture. A mind to know God, a will to choose God, and a heart to love God. And we have a choice. I've had a lot of animals, right? My grandparents had a dairy farm. We had about 60 uh, Holsteins. I've seen a lot of things. Animals I've witnessed don't have a choice. They don't choose. They just live their life based on instinct. I believe that's what separates us from from the animal kingdom, that we have a choice to know God, to choose God, and to love God. And Loon Mountain Ministry will say that, that, right? We're going to say that's a major. Now, whether... Your pet is in heaven or not, I know I'm going to get some flack for this, but that's a minor in my book. And whether that happens or not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know based on scripture because I don't. Are there animals in heaven? Sure seems like it. When Jesus comes back, there's going to be a lot of horses, it says. There's a ton of horses in Revelation. That's like their favorite animal. And they're all spirit. They're spirit animals in Revelation. There's some weird spirit animals, right? The Bible says that the spirit of those who believe in Jesus will, when we die, when I take my last breath, my spirit and soul will rise and be in the full presence of Jesus, the full presence of God, because I've put my faith and hope and confessed in Jesus. And my body, thank the Lord, because I'm 40 and I'm starting to really feel my body, is going to fall to the earth and become dust again. But the Bible also says that when God makes everything new, a new heaven and a new earth, this is where it gets also gray again, that it says there that heaven isn't some faraway distant place, but that it's here, resurrected, redeemed, being perfect. So my body will come back, and its back won't hurt, and it will be about probably 80 pounds lighter, right? And my nose might not be crooked anymore. I don't know. I got a crooked nose. I broke it in middle school and never fixed it. I don't know. It says that I'll, my spirit will be reunited with my body and everything will be perfect and there'll be no more cancer, there'll be no more jealousy and we'll be fully known as we are fully as known as we want to fully know, which is amazing. So all of this to say, and this is crazy because we're doing communion today and we had a baby dedication. I said I'd keep it short, but I did not. It's 11, 12. Um, is that we're going to major in the majors. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The rest of it we're going to call minor. And we'll, and we'll be glad to talk about it. That's why we made a coffee shop. Because coffee makes the really tense conversations easier. Especially if you put cream and sugar in it. You know? Jesus, we love you. I'm going to stop here because um, we're all really hot and we want to go um, to, the, to, the, to the church picnic. We also have communion, Lord.
And God, communion, it means we're going to come together with unity. And we will confess that we have differences. We have different prefaces of what we eat, different prefaces of communion. There we go. Actually, communion. There's different styles and preferences. But what we are saying, Lord, is that because of your blood, because of your sacrifice, we are coming together in unity, with unity. And we will do that with the cup. And with the bread, as we remember your blood that was shed, and we remember your body that was broken, and we're going to continue to do that as we go and we play yard games and we eat down at the White's house, and we and we we with unity, with community, come together. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you have uh, redeemed us so that we can make it through this life uh, in unity together. So, in your name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.